Hello and welcome to the Free Movement Podcast. I'm CJ McKinney. In recent years, there's been an explosion in the number of criminal offences related to immigration, with 89 new immigration offences added to the statute book in the last 20 years or so. Most of these offences are very rarely prosecuted, thankfully, uh, but still worth immigration lawyers being aware of the main ones, especially as the situation with prosecutions may change given the current climate. Joining me to discuss this is John Vassiliou, an immigration lawyer at Shepherd and Wedderburn in Edinburgh. Hey, John. Hi, CJ. Thanks for having me. A pleasure to have you back. And uh, last time we spoke on the podcast, you were at McGillan Co., but on to pastures new. Yeah, that's right. I started a new position at Shepherd and Wedderburn at the start of March there and look at moving into a slightly more corporate role. Very good. Well, uh, best of luck with it. And in the uh, brief hiatus you had between uh, the two firms, you, you put together a training course on immigration offences uh, for free movements. I've been looking at the statistics on these offences, and we'll go into more details later, but the, the headline of what I found in practice is that in each of the last couple of years, there's only been about 500 or 600 prosecutions for all the immigration offences. Some of them are never prosecuted in practice. So, I mean, why are they relevant? Why are we talking about them? Why have we got a training course on them? I think it's safe to say the majority of immigration lawyers will have encountered a client who could potentially have been charged with an offence, a really common one being knowingly overstaying. I think most immigration lawyers will have at some point been asked to advise a client who is in the country as an overstayer. That's a criminal offence and it's just but one of many potential criminal offences that the person could have committed. So I think it's very important that even if immigration practitioners aren't going to be dipping their toes into criminal defence work, it's still vital to be aware of the potential offences that clients they could be advising might be prosecuted for. And today's ministerial announcement on the new plan for immigration really makes it clear that the government intends to sharpen its focus on immigration offences. Yeah, we're talking on the 24th of March 2021 and the Home Office has just published its new plan for immigration, which is going to beef up sentencing for some of these offences and, and we'll come on to that. But let's start off by just going through some of the main immigration offences. We're not going to cover all a couple of hundreds on the statute books, but just uh, some of the major ones that you might want to be flagging with clients. And we'll start with Section 24 of the Immigration Act 1971. And that contains a range of offences broadly around illegally entering the UK or being in the UK without a visa. Uh, is that a fair summary of Section 24 or uh, how would you sum it up? So Section 24 of the 1971 Act is the source of your archetypal illegal entry offence. Section 24 itself has several subsections within it and each of those sets out one of many offences connected with unlawful entry to the UK and unlawful stay in the UK. Although there's quite a few really, I think there's three headline ones that people probably be familiar with. Uh, First, knowingly entering the UK in breach of a deportation order or knowingly entering the UK without leave. When people talk about illegal entry, that's often what they will be referring to, um, someone entering the UK without permission to do so. The second one would be knowingly remaining beyond the time limit of limited leave, or in other words, knowingly overstaying a visa. And the third one would be knowingly breaching a condition of leave. For example, in a situation if a person has a condition attached to their leave that says no work 
or no recourse to public funds. If that person then goes on to work or to access public funds, they would be breaching a condition of their leave. There's several other ones, but those three are really the headline offences there. And one thing I'd say about them is that they are, they're all attached to the individual migrant themselves. They can't be committed by British citizens. They can only be committed by foreign nationals. Gotcha. So if you manage to sneak into the UK uh, and you have a British passport, I don't know why I'd want to do that, but you couldn't be prosecuted for illegal en- illegally entering your own country. That's right. So a British national who decided to roll over to, uh, over to Kent, let's say, from France, would not be committing that offence. The statistics on this Section 20, the range of Section 24 offences actually being prosecuted are pretty low. So the only one that I could find any significant numbers um, of prosecutions were the entering the UK in breach of a deportation order. So that's section 24.1a. And there have been about 100 convictions for that offence over the past three years. And that's the biggest group of convictions under section 24. So So it's pretty small numbers. And and you said at the outset that most practitioners would have experience of a client being charged with one of these offences, but statistically speaking, it seems like it just doesn't happen very often and you have to, you'd have to be unlucky to be prosecuted um, for illegal entry. Why is that? Why don't they bother prosecuting? Very broadly, and I'm speaking not as a criminal defence lawyer or as someone with any background in criminal law, but criminal offences exist to prevent a wrong from being committed or to punish a wrong that has been committed and convictions normally lead to some kind of punishment either a fine or a custodial sentence. The Section 24 offences are different really to other criminal offences, however, because the wrong they seek to address is usually just targeted at one individual's presence in the UK without permission. So where such a person has been identified, it's often a much better use of public resources to simply deal with the issue administratively through immigration enforcement. Right, so if you've entered legally, you'll be just be kicked straight back out rather than being put through the criminal courts. Yeah, in the, in the vast majority of cases, yes, it's just far more expedient to, I suppose, invite that person to return voluntarily or to enforce removal on that person rather than keep them in the UK to then put them through quite a lengthy criminal court process. And I think prosecutors as well are alert to that. If you have a look at the CPS, Current Prosecution Service Guidance, for example, they, they they are alert to all these alternatives to going to court in relation to these offences. And they're, I suppose they're always cognizant of what, whether there's a public interest in actually prosecuting someone in these instances. And for the relatively small number of people who are prosecuted and convicted of Section 24 offences, what kind of sentence would they be looking at? They can face an unlimited fine or up to six months imprisonment or both. And that's for all the Section 24 offences, the three main ones you outlined and the other half dozen or whatever? All, all... Yes, that's, that's right. Okay, so the Home Office on the day we're speaking have released this new plan for immigration and they are consulting on increasing this maximum six-month sentence. Now, as far as I know, they haven't said how much they want to increase it to, just that it should be higher. But they have specified that for the entering the UK in breach of a deportation order, the the 
one offense that is used quite a lot, that they want to increase from six months to five years. So worth being aware, I suppose, that the maximum sentences for uh, Section 24 illegal entry may go up in future, although, as you say, whether that makes a difference in practice uh, is a different story. And so I suppose earlier you, you mentioned that the majority of prosecutions were in relation to people who had entered the UK in breach of a deportation order. For those I suppose, unfamiliar with some of the immigration terminology, a deportation order is made against a foreign national criminal, so someone who's already been convicted of a different type of crime in the UK, and then the deportation order is made to remove that person from the UK. Whereas when we use the phrase removal, we tend to talk of administrative removal. So there's no deportation order made in those cases. The person's just, I suppose, escorted out to the UK um, without going through a criminal process. And you can see possibly the government's point of view where someone who already has committed a different offence here then comes back in breach of that deportation order. And I can understand why they might want to increase sentences for that as distinct to the other Section 24 offences. Yeah, we'll have to see if they uh, do increase the maximum sentence for the rest of the Section 24 offences, which are a bit less uh, serious, I suppose, um, or if it'll just be uh, entering the UK in breach of a deportation order, uh, time will tell. So that's illegal entry. Let's move on to a different offence entirely. Uh, Section 25 of the Immigration Act has the offence of assisting unlawful immigration, sometimes known as facilitation of unlawful immigration. Uh, Tell me about that one. So this facilitation is probably the broadest and most severe immigration control offence that currently exists. So unlike the Section 24 offences we talked about previously, which attach to individual migrants, the Section 25 facilitation offence can apply to anyone, including British citizens, who helps another migrant to enter the UK unlawfully. So the the way the offence is defined is that a person commits the offence of assisting unlawful immigration to the UK if they act in such a way as to facilitate the commission of a breach or attempted breach of immigration law by a non-UK national. So basically, if one person needs another in breaching UK's immigration law, they could be committing a facilitation offence under Section 25. And from what you've said, it's not just successfully assisting unlawful immigration that can lead to a conviction. If you help someone try to breach the immigration laws and, and they fail or they get caught, you can still be charged with this offence. Absolutely. So Section 25 casts quite a wide net in that respect. And even if the end goal of the breach of immigration law is not achieved, a person can still be guilty of that offence. I suppose to take that to the extreme, you'll probably remember the quite horrific story of the 39 Vietnamese people who all suffocated in a refrigerated lorry container on a journey to the UK. The drivers of that lorry were convicted not just of manslaughter, but also of assisting unlawful immigration to the UK by facilitating an attempted breach of immigration law. So although although they didn't arrive here, there was still an attempt to breach immigration law and that offence was added on to the manslaughter charges. Yeah, I mean, that was a really horrific example. But when we think about this offence, is it always going to be people smuggled into the UK in the back of a lorry or 
what does when we say assisting unlawful immigration is is it always going to be something like that some kind of people smuggling with all the current rhetoric you would be forgiven for thinking that it is all about people smuggling but the, the phrase people smuggling doesn't appear anywhere in section 25 uh, and I suppose one of the reasons that some of the proposals we're hearing about increasing life uh, increasing sentences to life in prison are quite concerning potentially are that section 25 can cover all sorts of more mundane crimes including things like immigration advisors making deceptive representations people engaging in sham marriages someone acting as a bogus sponsor or potentially even knowingly employing an illegal worker yeah and the life sentence business was uh, trailed in the media in the past few weeks and it's it has been included in the new plan for immigration document that's come out uh, today so i think that is going to happen the uh, the the current maximum sentence is 14 years and and that will then be increased to life under the the current proposals and this offence is prosecuted uh, in practice along with a related offence at section 25a uh, assisting an asylum seeker to enter the uk illegally so if you bundle that together with the regular section 25 offence you've got about a thousand prosecutions over the past few years um, and about 900 convictions uh, so it is something that's being used and i think in the course you had a few examples of um, press reports of people who uh, had piloted small boats across the channel being charged with this yeah that, that's right there's been a significant increase in coverage of prosecutions of people who've piloted rubber dinghies across the channel it seems to be an ongoing obsession in the media just now and uh, and coming from the government despite the relatively small number of people involved there's been a number of journalists recently highlighting the increase in prosecutions in this area Lizzie Dearden at the Independence done some really good work on this. She's telling me that nine people piloting boats, and I say piloting boats, it's we are talking about someone somehow managing to shepherd a rubber dinghy crammed full of people across a very busy and dangerous shipping lane, somehow managing to get them across the UK. Nine people have been convicted for facilitation in 2019. And at least eight more were convicted in 2020, specifically for offences related to steering rubber dinghies across the channel. I think one report that I saw recently was a was about a 24-year-old man who was sentenced to three and a half years in prison in Kent for doing this. Um, I imagine we'll continue to see more and more of this as various other alternative points of entry to the UK become unviable. Absolutely. And um, as we've said, uh, those people could, in theory, at least face face life in prison in the future. Um, whether that's, you know, deters people, the difference between 14 years in life may not be obvious to people traveling from Iran or whatever. But uh, in any event, those are the two main immigration specific offenses, uh, Section 24 and Section 25. And they're the only ones that matter in practice. Uh, looking at the stats, there's Dozens and dozens of other offences, uh, but they're almost never used. There is, the, however, a third group of offences that are prosecuted. They aren't necessarily specific to immigration, but they often have a connection. And this is fake ID offences under the Identity Documents Act 2010. Yeah, that's right. So there's, there's three offences 
under the Identity Documents Act 2010, there's possession of a false identity document with an improper intention. So someone someone possessing a fake passport with the intention of using it to deceive someone about their identity or their nationality. Um, that's covered under Section 4 of the Identity Documents Act 2010. There's possession of false identity documents without reasonable excuse. So this is very similar to the first one I mentioned, having a fake passport, for example. Um, and unlike the first one, I suppose the prosecution wouldn't have to demonstrate an improper intention. It would be enough just for the person not to have a reasonable excuse for possessing that document. Um, and finally, there's the offence of possession or control of apparatus for making false identity documents. I suppose that one is likely to be one that's taken a bit more seriously and not necessarily aimed at, at foreign nationals in particular. Yeah, and I guess in principle, none of these offences are specific to the immigration context. But as you say, in practice, the circumstances in which you might make a fake ID are you know, likely to could be a passport that might be an, a link to the immigration system and trying to trying to swindle uh, the system in some way. Is that how they're used in practice? Do you see these fake ID uh, offences used in relation to, to migrants? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I can only really speak to this from my own experience. Uh, I've only seen this on a couple of occasions. In, in both of those instances, the, the person had come to the attention of the police before coming to the attention of the Home Office. Um, but like with the illegal entry offences, if, if we're talking about a foreign national who doesn't have permission to be in the UK and they're found with a false document, they're here unlawfully and, again, they can possibly be dealt with administratively through immigration enforcement's removal process without going through the expense and the, the time involved in putting through a criminal court procedure. Yeah, absolutely, especially with the criminal courts being uh, the, the huge backlog of criminal cases uh, both with the pandemic and and before the pandemic, um, you, you can see it would be better to keep people out of the courts if you can punish them by removing them. But, but nevertheless, like if you just stepping back from the specifics, the offences we've seen in this uh, plan released uh, today, the twenty fourth of March, uh, there's several references to increasing sentences as we've discussed. A lot of coverage about people steering boats across the channel and being charged with offences. Probably speculating, but is that the direction of travel that the Home Office is going to? encourage the more prosecutions um, in for these offences and, and try to kind of get them into the mainstream of the system in some way? It certainly sounds like they're pushing that way, but uh, I think a, a lot of the rhetoric just now is just about increasing the severity of the punishment for various offences. Um, ultimately, it's still going, to, still going to fall to the CPS or the Procurator Fiscal in Scotland to determine what cases they take forward to prosecute, whether it's in the public interest to do so. So it's hard to tell how kind of mooted changes will filter through into practice. But certainly as we've seen down down Kent with the people steering the rubber dinghies, a lot of that rhetoric has filtered through into prosecutions. Yeah, absolutely. So certainly in that context, you would imagine there would be continuing uh, stream of convictions, but uh, the other offences uh, hopefully will remain rare in practice. We'll have to see. 
John, thanks for that. We'll leave it there. Uh, John Vassiliou from Shepherd and Wedderburn. And if you want to access the full uh, training materials on this subject, or indeed the entire range of free movement materials and paywalled articles on immigration law, head on over to www.freemovement.org.uk forward slash join to check out the membership rates. Uh, it's half price for charities and students if you uh, request that. Uh, and we'll be back with the next episode of the podcast, which is the monthly roundup with myself and Colin on the 9th of April. Till then, goodbye and thanks for listening.